0: Hi, I'm Gordon.
1: And I'm Fiona.
0: We're from Gate Church International in Dundee, Scotland, and we'd like to welcome you to this week's podcast.
1: Our goal here is growing people to bring Christ into our communities and to see you get connected with God as people and as purpose. We hope this message inspires you in your faith journey. Thank you. Father, we just want to lift up the name of Jesus. Father, we've just been singing about there is no other name. And Father, we wanna dedicate ourselves to you this morning to hear your voice speak to us. Father, will you melt hearts that need to be melted before you? Will you give understanding in the spiritual to those who God who are seeking out for your understanding? Will you touch every person here, their lives, O oh God, whether it be in the spiritual, In the physical but father we just want to know that you are with us that you are for us and we just want to say god there is no other name there is no other name that is higher than the name of jesus we want to honor you we want to bless you and father may all that we do and say this day be to the glory of who jesus is and all god's people said amen why do you give somebody a high five before you sit down and say that woman's on that woman's on. Do you know, my mother taught me, my mum's sitting up here, my, mom, my mother taught me the gift of anticipation. She used to say to me, Fiona, you better wait till your father gets home. Let me tell you, anticipation was rising. The other thing she taught me was how to pray for my every sporting achievement that would be ahead of me. She would say, Fiona, you are in for the high jump, you better start praying. Come on now. My mother had four children. She was a teacher, my father was an engineer, and they gave up their lifestyle, their home in the west coast of Scotland to go become missionaries. They first of all had the two older kids and then my, me and my younger brother came on board after that. Now they brought up four children with no finances for 10 years. My mother taught me how to have faith, how to believe in God, how God would always carry you through, through, the, through, you, through the tough times. My mom would make incredible meals, sew our clothes, and I thought she was just a super talented woman. What I didn't realize was my mom had to make, do, and mend, and every time she did, she prayed over it, God, will you bless what you've given to me? So, mom, I just want to honor you this morning and say thank you for what you've done. My parents started the church when they bought this building. I know it's a story you've all heard before, but we need to honor those who have gone before, because if it wasn't for those who have prayed for us, who've set the scene, who have nurtured us, we wouldn't be where we are today, right? So the enemy has had a plan and a purpose, though, against womankind. Right from the very start in the Garden of Eden. Eve, as we all know, saw deception be brought in, and God brought a curse upon women and upon serpents. And it's been something I've just said, God, why is it you brought a curse upon the woman through birth? And I believe it's this. Women are powerful for good or for bad. And when women are in God's hands, all throughout Scripture, when we can read about all these women who did incredible things, we have learned so much from these women. Now, many of them are nameless, and some of them have been given names. When we go through the Scripture, or when we look at these women, we can look at the first one, the prostitute Rahab. Now, Rahab, as you know, had to protect her family, and she did what she could to protect her family. When her whole city was just about to be taken out by an enemy takeover, her family was the only family that was actually saved in that city. That is the power of a woman who believes in her God. There's also the slave Jochebed. She was a woman who was able to bring up three incredible children, But we all know the the big story of when she had to actually take her baby and put it into a Moses basket, place it into croc-infested waters, and believe that God would look after her child. That was one powerful woman in the hands of God who had to go way beyond, which I think, I I don't know if I could ever do that. Place my child in waters, in a basket, No, there was crocodiles all around, saying, God, in you, I trust with my child. Then there was Bathsheba. Bathsheba, I have to say, is actually one of my biblical heroes. And you probably think, Fiona, why would a woman who was an adulterer be one of your biblical heroes? Do you know when we find out all the things that Bathsheba did to get to where she went to? She was a woman who did get caught up in adultery. She was a woman who did lose her lover's child early in infancy. But she was also a woman who carried a king in her womb do you know what in with Bathsheba she was actually mentioned again in the old testament she was also mentioned again in the genealogy of jesus and i want us to look at that scripture it says this in matthew 1 it says sam and the father of boaz the mother whose mother was rehab boaz the father of obed whose mother was ruth Obed, the father of Jesus, and Jesse, the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon. Listen to this. Now, remember Bathsheba married David and had Solomon, but this is what it says, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. I, I, I stumbled over this scripture because I just thought, God, why was she known for her past sin of what she did because she was actually an accomplice in murder. She was a woman who was an adulterer, but she got into the lineage of Jesus and she was known as the wife of Uriah and not the wife of David. And I can just imagine how Bathsheba must have felt about that. You see, Bathsheba knew she did wrong. She knew that she had sinned. She knew that she had set her husband up. She knew that she'd lost her first child. But you know what God said to me, and I almost did my whole preaching this one thing, was we can either carry the sin of our past in our wombs within us, or we can carry the king, the promise, the hope that God has placed within us. We go through so many different seasons, but it did not discount Bathsheba to become the mother and the wife of the greatest king, that Israel ever had. Don't discount yourself, women or men, because of your past. Because we make a choice. We either carry the sin issues or we carry our hope and our kings within us. Do you want to turn to the person beside you and say, what do you have within you? Because we can carry our shame and our guilt or we can carry the hope that God gives to us. Do you know, the Bible was written in times where women were not at all valued. Women weren't allowed to, in the, the synagogues, they weren't allowed to sit with the men, they weren't allowed to eat with the men, they weren't allowed to be taught by the men. The women really weren't people who went out to earn money. They had a role, they had a function, and they weren't valued in society. Do you know, I, please don't hear me as a feminist pastor. I am far from that. I'm a female pastor that is all for seeing God's children rise up and know who they are in God. Do you know, as a female pastor, I could be in circles of leaders, and it gets to me so much. I could be in a circle of men, and I've been there on a few occasions with Gordon. And there's one time, and they're really good churches, and this one man who was chairing it, he went around and he asked the question of all the leaders. And he got to Gordon and then he jumped over me because there was 18 men and there was two women and he jumped to the men, the man beside me. It was something within me was just like, you're not gonna ask me like? And Gordon put his hand underneath. Come, it, Fiona, Come, Fiona. And I just want to say, you're the type of bigot that Jesus came to save. That that was a wrong attitude to have, believe me. And I went and spoke to the guy afterwards and said, really in the bestest pastoral voice I could come and Christian woman look I could have, which was actually pretty hard. And I said, what? Why, did, why did you miss me out when it came to a question? Because you also missed out that other woman. And I could see Gordon's eyes were saying boring at me, like just... <laughs> and he quoted that one scripture that men who don't understand the things of God, well, that's my opinion... It's like the trump card. Oh, he said, have you not read what Paul said? Paul said the women should be silent in church. Can I tell you why Paul wrote that? You see, Paul was a church planter. He was an aggressive man of God. He was one of the violent type that did not stop. It. Any woman or man who came against him, he went into this city called Corinth, and right in the center of Corinth was a temple that was laid out for the prostitutes. And so when he went out to tell people about Jesus, he didn't care who they were, what they did, what their background was, and he went, do you want to know the truth of who Jesus is? He prayed over them, he saw people get saved, he saw people be healed, and then he brought them into church, and he was doing church. And for him, I reckon church was a little bit like Theresa May when she brought oh. parliament together it was pretty hard to to contain you see these women were women who were strong women they were women who were business women they were women who they knew if they did not dominate then they would be dominated you see they were abused in all that they did can you hear me okay is the sound okay so when paul came in now these women i could just imagine them they would be like because sometimes i could not be like that right gordon given that lalde is the same dundee, and even in worship, and they were talking, and Paul went, you know what, that's it, shut it, women, right, give us silence, we need to get the things of God done here, and I'm quite sure they, these women would be like, well, who do you think you are, but do you know what he was doing, he was bringing order into the church, he wasn't saying, because Paul actually said three chapters before, he said, women, see when you pray and prophesy, in other words, when you're praying and talking in public, I want you to wear a head covering, he wasn't saying, women, do not be talking in public." Is your pastor having a rant? No. Your pastor's trying to say, men, we love you so dearly. We so need you in our lives. And see, when we know that you're for us and that you're our cover and that you are all for us, we are your greatest advocate, protectors. We will fight off anybody else that comes near to you. What we need as women is we need to know we are loved, we are cherished, we are valued. Just like how Jesus treated the women, you see, all around Jesus, he did have twelve disciples, but he also had six women. Now, who can name them? There was three Marys, there was Martha, there was Miriam, Susanna. Thank you. There was Miriam. Did I mention Miriam? There was all these women, and what Jesus did was he taught. He taught them. Now, Jesus actually shouldn't have been hanging out with women. But he taught them, he ate with them, he showed them value, he even went to the house of Mary and Martha. He had them in his close circle. And do you know these women actually bankrolled what him and his disciples did? There were women who were smart. I'm not trying to say, you know, here we are, we're women, we're smart, you better see us if you don't appreciate us, and we're out here. No, we need one another. You see, God our Father, we are created in God's image, both male and female. Do you know we live in a world where the enemy has tried to take out women, left, right, and center. Even destroying the children in our wombs, the enemy is trying to take out women all over the place. He's trying to get us to undervalue who we are. And just sometimes it can be such a battle just to step up to be heard. I know that you women can feel this. And do you know what, men, I'm trying to get you to see, please see where we're coming from. We need you. We love you. We want you, because when people work together, when people are in unity, there is power. Should I get back to my notes? Jesus, so I was going to actually say also, in the Old Testament, there's so many nameless women. In the book of Judges, there is. In fact, reading the book of Judges can sometimes feel like the biggest detriment to women everywhere, anywhere. But in the book of Judges, we can see some hugely powerful women of God like Deborah in jail. But we also see a wo- woman who were dismembered, a woman who, who was gang-raped, and yet it seemed to be that God was silent for 400 years over the things of what women were doing. And God didn't bring an answer, and things didn't change until Jesus came on board. To that woman who was dismembered, she was in her father's home and a visiting male had come into the home and the men from the town had actually come because they wanted to gang rape the man who was in their house and what the man actually did was he sent out his daughter and protected the man do you know when God looked upon that it must have broken his heart not because it was a man over a woman but because of the way they treated one another God's answer for us today, both men and for women, is Jesus. Today I want to tell you actually a story of two women. And these two women, because I want to take some creative liberty with Scripture. Everything I'm about to teach you is all based on Scripture, but I want to put it to you in story form. Now, we are celebrating Mother's Day, and I, like I teach the kids through there when I'm on the kids, like I've taught my own kids, I always say to them, when you read Scripture, especially when it comes to the parables or the stories in the Old Testament, get yourself into that story. See who you are, where you're at, who's round about you. If, if we kind of get into the field, it's like watching a film in our head with Scripture, When you get into that that scripture and you see where you are, what's going on? Why are they reacting like that? Why is she responding to this person like that? What is going on? It gets you into the story and you start to feel all that's going on. And I do that so often when I read the Bible. And I want to look at two women this morning. One is the mother of Jesus, who was called Mary. And the other one was the mother of Judas. Now Judas, we don't even know her name. You know, Judas' mother is not even given a mention in the Bible, but we know she existed because Judas existed. So when, i, I just like to imagine, what would the disciples, because like we know all about disciples, we know all about Jesus, but what about their mothers? What were their mothers doing and saying when, when all these disciples were getting together and doing what they're doing? What were their mothers saying? Were they meeting up with one another? Because I know when I was, when my kids were in primary school, I would meet up with the mothers and find out what's going on and what's, what's happening in the life of the school. You connect with mothers because mothers will talk. I can only imagine that the disciples' mothers would get together and talk. Now, I know that's not said in Scripture, but I'm trying to get myself into the story about what was going on. These two mothers, the mother of Mary, sorry, the mother of Jesus and the mother of Judas, what will we call her? Judith? Judith, the mother of Judas? I might get myself in the wee tangle there. These mothers both lost sons. Both in completely different circumstances. But can we just imagine if they actually, as mothers, they would have known each other as children. There was Judas' mum and there was Mary. Are you with me? Can we go down a little adventure using scripture to find out what these mothers would like? I'm reckoning that Mary at this point was around 50 years old. And Mary and Judith met each other the day after the crucifixion. I don't know about you, but if I had just lost my child, my heart would be utterly broken. And Judas' mother would be looking across at Mary and going, there's Mary. She won't want to see me. She won't want to see me. But Judas' mother remembered things about Mary when she was younger. She remembered that Mary, when she had just fallen pregnant, how she declared out with great boldness to the, the people in the town that she was pregnant. And she knew that Mary could easily have been rejected because you should never be pregnant before you're married. And she also went through the senses at the same time as Mary. Mary went off to Bethlehem and Judas' mother, she actually went off to Judea because that's where Simon Iscariot was. Simon Iscariot is actually the father of Judas. And they got married and they had a child called judas i can also imagine that mary and judas mother when they were younger they would have dreamt about the guy they would meet the children they would have but their reality didn't match the dreams that they had mary going through the real trauma of watching her child having just been taken out, was reminded of the time that she met the angel and the angel said, Mary, you're favored. And she would have thought, God, why? Why could I? Why did I lose a child in such a horrific way when you said I was favored? When you said that this child would be a savior, but Jesus So Mary did what she did the 33 years previously. She held it in her heart. And she said, God, you have carried me through from one country to another. You have carried me through rejection. You have carried me through having to protect my child from a king who wanted him dead. You've carried me through so much. God, in you, I put my trust. And then to see this other woman Mary must have looked at Judas' mother and thought, has your family not caused my family enough trouble? I could just imagine the tension that must have been. One would be on one side of the street and one would be at the other side of the street. Both would be completely lost in their pain of losing their children. You see, Judas' mother, her child died in completely different circumstances. Her child took his own life. Because her child was strong friends with Jesus. You see, Jesus was his leader. Her child was his disciple. And when her child came home to say, Mom, I went out into the wilderness and I saw this, this mad guy who was a prophet, John the Baptist, and he said "If we to get baptized. And Judas' mother was like, what are you getting involved in? And Judas said, but mom, I saw Jesus getting baptized. And when Jesus got baptized, he heard, he heard the voice from heaven and said, this is my child in whom I'm well pleased. So mom, I got baptized too. Okay. She liked the changes that she saw. But she still wasn't too sure. But she knew who Mary was. And Mary had a good reputation. Mary then, sorry, Judas' mother then started to see a change in Judas because judas came and told her that jesus was out to bring freedom to the jews that he was going to bring them a complete change from where things had always been with them and that he was the king that he was the lord that he was the messiah and judas was completely on board and then there started to be a change within judas because he would look across at at jesus and jesus wasn't doing all the things that he thought he should you see, he wanted to get all the people, all the adoring crowds that Jesus had all around him. He said, Go and use these people and take out the Roman guards. And Jesus completely refused. And Judas just couldn't understand it. But everything came to head on Palm Sunday when Jesus said, Go and get me a donkey. And Judas was like, A donkey? I thought you were a king. No king should be riding on a donkey. A king should be riding on a horse with a chariot. But Jesus refused. Come on, Jesus, whip up the crowd. Come on, let's take out the Roman guards. And Jesus refused. But Jesus, I thought you were a mighty king. I thought you were going to take them out with might and power. And Mary, she tried to warn Jesus about what was going on within Judas, she could see the stirring going up. So could Judas' mother. She could see that Judas was getting a little bit angsty. He wasn't very pleased with things that was going on. And so the night when Jesus was doing the Last Supper, when he was washing all the feet of disciples, Judas was, Jesus, no, no, you're a king. No, 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 Judas, you should not be stooping to wash feet. And Jesus washed his feet. You see, Judah's mother was trying to keep him calm, keep, keep him calm, keep him calm. But Jesus, he knew the stirring going on in his, in, this, in his disciples' life. And Jesus knew to let him go into the night. And when Mary knew that this woman's child was responsible for setting up and sealing the fate of her son, how, how do you think she felt? You set my child up to die. So Judas went out into the night and he brought back all the guards. So when Judas, and, Judas' mom and Mary were meeting the next day, neither could really look at one another. Judas' mother was feeling like, how could you ever look at me? My family let your family down. And Mary would be looking at her going, can I forgive this woman? And then she remembered that on the day before that Jesus' heart, the heart of her son, was to forgive those who had killed him. And Mary looked at Judas' mother and she looked at Mary and there was a connection. And Mary had taken the bread and the wine And she said, you know, my son died so that we can be forgiven of our sins. We know that Judas' mother, or Judas himself, went off and he hanged himself. And they never met again. But we know that Mary was able to meet up with her daughter, with her son again. But Mary would have taken the communion in remembrance of what Jesus did so that she, Judah's mother, could know the freedom that Mary would have. Now I know I've taken the story and I have added to it. It's all based on scripture. I want us to see as women where women come from. Get into these stories. Look at it all around and say what was going on in this person's heart? What was God doing to make the whole thing fit together? Because God, does not want to see us be women who, like Bathsheba, was named with her past. But God wants to take us to the place where we are named with the promise that he has given to us. I've actually asked Gordon to come and do communion. Would you come up and do communion with us, Gordon? Because I want us to take this communion to realize that Jesus died... For a purpose. And Judas died because he lost his purpose. Let us not lose our purpose as to why we walk with Jesus. Would you do communion? Sure.
0: If the team can come and help us distribute the, uh, the bread and the wine just now, that'd be really good. It's uh, <clears throat> Fiona was talking not just about the, the, the Mary and the mother of Judas, but earlier on she was talking about um, Bathsheba and how there, there was a past and, and often when, when we look at biblical characters we, we see people and we, we see their victory, we see the greatness, we see the goodness and it's important that as we, we take communion we take the bread and the wine here this morning, we recognize that the past, don't allow it to dominate our lives, don't let it take control of who we are and what God has got for us for the future. So many of us write ourselves off because of things that have taken place in our lives historically. But this morning, I believe as we take the bread and the wine together, if you just hold on to it just now, we'll take it together. As we take the bread and the wine together, something will take place. I believe there's, there's something supernatural that takes place when we take the bread and the wine together. There's something that takes place where… where, where the I I just believe prophetically this morning there's people who are struggling and wrestling with things of the past, and you might feel like you're you're almost like Bathsheba. There might be something that's taken place, or there there might have been… I just sense in the Spirit here this morning that there's people where there's been bloodshed in your background, there's been violence, and and, and God wants to forgive that, and He he wants you to know that the the destiny and the future that He's got for you is above and beyond that which has taken place in the past. Because the enemy wants to write us off, and he wants to write every single one of us off, but the Spirit of God wants to birth things in us for His glory, for His glory. And one of the things I love when we read through the Old Testament Scriptures, when you read the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, none of them were perfect, not one was perfect. And it says that God accredited to them as righteousness because of their faith, because they believed in Him, because they believed God's Word and what God was going to do in them and through them. They, they, they took hold of what God said. And it's the same today as the, the God's promise for our life as we lay hold of what Jesus has done for us. That's, that's the game changer. That's when things change in our lives for the glory of God. And, 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 and Moses, when he stepped out in faith, Samson, and all the, the heroes of the faith, when they stepped out in faith, it was the fact that they did it. And our faith today, God's not asking us today to build an ark. God's not asking us today to part the Red Seas. God's not asking us to do these things. All He's asking us to do today is to believe in His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ and as we believe in him it will change things and as things change in us things can change forever things can change forever and there's people that are God God's using here in this room today for his glory because they have believed in the son so Jesus said this to his disciples he said do this in remembrance of me so can I just, does anyone not have any bread or wine here this morning? Everyone have, has a piece. Okay, so let's, let's do this now. I'll just wait on the team so they can get some as well. So we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done for us. And I thank you this, this bread symbolizes your body. And Jesus, we thank you that you gave yourself up for us. And Jesus, we thank you that when you... Uh, took these 39 stripes on your back when you were lashed and almost died, but you were then crucified. We thank you that you did it for us. You did it for us. We thank you, Jesus. Let's take the bread and do this in remembrance of Christ. Let's take the wine. Just in a second, we'll take it, but let's remember all that he has done for us, that through his blood that was shed that when when he was last and whipped to death or almost to death, his body was thrashed but he did that for us and he took upon himself our sins so that we can be free from the power of sin and death in our lives and we thank you God for this covenant here this morning and I just just sense that some people you're just going to know your sins being washed away. I don't know what's going on but the spirit of God does is that people's sins are going to be just washed away. Some of you have battled with your past. And in this moment, you just need to say, Jesus, I hand this over to you. And I thank you for your blood. So let's take the the wine and let's just drink it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You know, Christians are going to be victorious in this life. They're the ones who allow the covenant to define them. Because if you allow your past, your mistakes, your errors, your sins—if you allow these things to define who you are—they'll be like a stranglehold. It'll be like a snake wrapping itself around your body and paralyzing you. So there's people here this morning who've been paralyzed by sins of the past and things that have been said to you historically. But this morning, the Spirit of God is just setting some people free for His glory. So we thank you for that, God, that in this moment, in this place, in this place of grace, that you're taking us from that place of condemnation to that place of freedom. And as we focus on what you've done for us and recognize that our sins are no more, we can move from this. And God, we thank you for your redemptive purposes, oh God. We thank you, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray. Pray, God, for anybody who has the curse or the name bastard over their lives here this morning where they were born out of wedlock and there's condemnation and things being spoken over them. I just break the power of these words and the power of that curse over your life, that you are a child of God. You are a child of God and that you're loved. I break over anybody who was born out of an adulterous relationship. I break the power of these cursed words that where you're rejected and condemned, I break the power of that in Jesus' name. I break the power of where, this, I just believe there's somebody here where you're not the child of your uh, your father's first wife, but he had multiple wives, and you're a child of not just the first, the second, but you're you're the child of your mother, but I just believe it's within a culture where, and and you're made to feel condemned because you weren't born of the the first mother, but I just break that off you this morning and declare that you are a child of God, that you are an image bearer, and that thing on your life is broken now, that shame is broken right now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, we
1: bless the mothers of this house. Mm. Father, we thank you, God, that you've placed within them the ability to nurture, the ability to love. Father, I ask, of God, that you would give them the ability to see as you see the children that you have given to her. Lord, let her be able to see their future, their hope, their promise. And, Lord, may she, O oh God, with, with a prophetic double-edged sword in her hand to be able to speak over her children, whether they are children or whether they're adults. Father, let it be, O oh God, that every mother in this house, God, has the voice of, of God within her voice that speaks over life, that brings life into her home. She's able to love, she's able to cherish, she's able to nurture. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over these mothers. Father, thank you God that they are doing the most incredible job, and yet the enemy will try to come in to say you're not good enough, you've fallen short. What did you miss out on? Father, I ple- I ask oh God that your hand would be placed upon your daughters, knowing, O oh God, that they are yours, that you gave them the children that you gave them, whether they are still with them or not. Father, your plans and purposes will prevail in the hearts of the mother and in the hearts of their children. Father, I ask God that there would be an outpouring of your spirit upon your church, upon your family. I thank you, God, that you, oh God, your spirit will move. You will build the mother's heart. You will build the family's heart. In the name of Jesus, I pray.